Thank you, thank you. Um, so I'm going to be welcoming Sheba. Sheba, please do come up. <laughs> I'm welcoming Sheba um, because, as has already been said, we're representing Compassion UK. But there's something really special about Sheba because Sheba used to be a compassion child. So for those of you who've got sponsored, um, sponsored children or perhaps might be thinking about what is this all about and uh, maybe should I plug in, you know, why is it important, what is the difference that it makes, Sheba is here to share her, short, her testimony and she's going to make it as brief as she possibly can, bearing in mind she's condensed in many years of her life <laughs> in, in 10 minutes, so she'll do her very best, um, make Sheba welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for welcoming us here. And uh, yeah, we feel so honored. Uh, we talked about how warm this place is, how welcoming it is. My children are up there. And uh, I talked about my little one, who is 21 months, 20 months. And uh, when we're at church, she just clings to the door. She doesn't want to go to Sunday school. She just stays with him. But immediately we got here, she just fled off. <laughs> and we, we, we haven't seen her since. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's how uh, warm this place is. I mean, there are places you go to and you, you just feel, you just feel this at home, like there's no need to keep uh, looking over your shoulder. Yeah, so yeah, we are honored to be here. And uh, as um, my colleague has talked about compassion, uh, this church, we have 23 children that are being sponsored and that's not 23. We are talking about multiples of families of, uh, of generational blessings that are being passed on. People are sitting here and uh, their money is going far beyond. And I just want to say, because I'm one of those people, I know I'm an adult woman and I still call myself as a child. This is because of what was sown into me, because of compassion. Um, I was sponsored as a 10-year-old well, eight-year-old girl, and, and then uh, as being through a sponsored child, uh, having to go through the, the benefit, and then grew up, started working for Compassion in Uganda, going back into the field, looking for all these children that really needed the help, and the ones that were into the project, speaking to them, embrace the opportunity. You can be like me. You can make it. Don't let poverty speak to you. Don't let your surroundings speak to you. You can have a great future just like me. And then I also started being a sponsor and also found out how people really sacrifice. They don't have it all because when you're up there in Uganda, you're just thinking, you know, beyond Uganda, it's like heaven. It's what we see in movies. So that's your own projection. Just like the, the only limitation you have about poverty is what you see only in TV, uh, the images. So, but when you actually go there, it's different. It's, it's real, it's just not the screen, it's not uh, made up, it's not movies, so it's real. And also, 
how um, I also started giving back to compassion. I started helping other children because I know what compassion did for me. Um, I come from a place uh, called Kisoro, which is at the border of Uganda and Rwanda. And uh, like I mentioned, I speak quite a lot of dialects and speak the national Rwandese language as well. And in, that, in my town, they didn't believe in educating girls. They didn't believe um, uh, like this point for girls being educated because when they grow up, they'll get married. We were, I grew up in the situation in uh, an era where girls at the age of 14, 15, 16, they are married off. Some of them, because of poverty, they are married off to Muslim rich men so that they can have money dowry into their family and then look after the rest. So that was my growing up. I grew up when uh, AIDS was killing people in 1990s everywhere for me, going to bury a child, going to bury um, a nanko, a nan a teacher, it was normal. That was what I witnessed. Those were the circumstances they were speaking to me. And like most of the children who register in the Compassion Project, that's what, uh, they have different circumstances. And as we say, poverty has so many faces to it. I've been to the Philippines uh, 10 years ago. I, has the I had the opportunity to go with Compassion and uh, see the poverty in the Philippines, um, which was different, and still broke my heart. Like, it was my, you know, because I saw these children so bright, so beautiful, 10-year-olds having so much talent. But when you went back to their homes, they sleep, slept in tombs. These are live tombs. People die and they still find space. But these kids had so much hope because we're going back to compassion. And that's why they'll get a proper meal. And I, I don't know, for some people who have been to compassion uh, centers around the world, uh, most people, most kids, when they come to the centers, they don't want to go back home. They don't want to face the reality there because that's where they get food, that's where they get water, that's why their medical care is taken care of, that's why if they have problems, that's why they social workers are anything they can talk about freely. So compassion is like safe haven. So for anybody who sponsors a child, I just want to encourage you. You are just being a missionary right without having to leave this place. And you're just doing much more than you can ever imagine. The little you give, it's not little. Um, the project workers multiply. I talked about, I talk about where uh, we had one mattress, a single mattress, and we couldn't afford, afford two meals a day in my family. And uh, just that one single mattress, we brought clothes and um, uh, made the bed look big. And uh, uh, just that single mattress, we slept on it in turns uh, with my siblings. And after I had been registered, Compassion, gave, we had like, because they give general gifts for every child. Uh, they look at the, because they know, we work with church leaders who know their communities best. So they know what people need in their community. And so they, they would give us mattresses. So after my one year being at Compassion Project, I had like bed sheets. I had uh, like three pairs of, like so many mattresses that my family, we didn't have to share with uh, just on one mattress. And for me, it was such, it just gave so much relief to my parents that they didn't, uh, where they had sent me away to go and work so that they, I could relieve, they could, as a family, maybe look after the others. And the burden lessened and they didn't have to do that because Compassion was helping us, giving us meals, giving us bringing water in my community so they didn't have to do that. They reunited me with my family. And for most people who sponsor, uh, that's where you see people having, oh, I sponsored a child and this child had uh, many brothers and sisters 
sisters or had, you know, because we live as, as families. And um, for me, compassion gave me everything. They just brought me back and uh, they gave my life, uh, they gave me life, they gave me my dreams. Uh, when I got my sponsors from America, it was a youth group. And I say in, in one of the, uh, one of the evenings, I had to stay back and write 26 letters to each and everyone in the youth group. And, and one of them, I think it was a youth pastor who said, Ashiba, you are going to be a history maker. And for me, I grew up and I wanted to be a history maker. I used to say, oh, when I grow up, I want to sponsor my sponsor because that's the heart, that's the dream, that's something that was birthed in me to give back to, to somebody, to other people. And for me, that's what I grew up to do as well, for the words that were spoken into me. And with compassion, we stress that it's not about giving money. We have people that just give. They don't have the time. They don't, they, they don't probably understand it, but it just makes so much difference for any child out there in hopeless circumstances receiving a letter that somebody actually this man is not someone just you know getting fund and just sending it but it's real it's someone human being encouraging me he thinks about me he knows me he prays for me he knows that I'm relevant regardless of my situation we have so many children they come from homes uh, I don't know most of African parents when you're angry with kids we we are not taught about good parenting. Uh, not everybody, but you take the child. You cannot be something. You cannot amount to anything. Most children in Africa, in my part, that's where we came from, that even your own parents would say such words to you, and you don't understand. When you grow up, I didn't understand. Do they love us? Why are we treated as we are not wanted? Why are we treated as we are just mistakes? But then you have these other people who completely give you a different childhood, a childhood that you'd never have thought of. And that's why in Uganda, everyone knows any child that has been through compassion their life has never been the same, ever. They go on to become doctors, they go on, even that's because we are taught extracurricular activities, even those that are not very academic, even when they leave, they have something to fall back on. Remember there's this boy, my husband and I sponsored him, Peter, uh, he was a compassion child. I helped them, him go through compassion project. And then, uh, because as often most African parents, they keep hopping from one place to another, thinking maybe life will be, will be better. So Peter was registered and spent in compassion about just three years really, and then his father moved him to a different complete area. So he was departed and then he lost out. But those three years, those three years were just everything to him, everything. We, so later, um, he was, he lost out on compassion and, and then he, you know, suffered through. But then in the end, because of the little faith, because of the faith, the words, the encouraging words, the different childhood through compassion, he hung on, he became a Christian and he had so much hope that something someday will work out. So a few years ago, he contacted me and it's like, I, because you, I don't know, can you look for my sponsor? This is what happened to me. I, I managed to go now. I mean, Going to, I've finished high school, but I don't have money to go to university to do a degree. So my husband and I were going through some challenges. He had just come back from Africa. We didn't have any money. We just, we trusted God. We said, God, I know what it means. I know for most of these children is through school that they can have even a future. So we trusted God and he, we put him through dental school and he graduated this year. 
But yeah. <laughs> and what he talks about, he doesn't even, he treats us mom and dad, but for him, everything is all about compassion. He's like, because compassion sowed those seeds in him when he was growing up, that was the change. Because we have people who say, I can only do it for one year. I can only do it for two years. But just know that time you do it, you're saving a life. You're saving a child from being married off. You're saving a child in Brazil from being run off or being from like an unimaginable childhood that someone couldn't have, you know, that you wouldn't wish your child or anyone you know to go through. So because of that foundation that Compassion gave him, three years, well, just he's now an amazing dentist in Uganda. So I just, yeah. Yeah, and uh, just one final thing also. Just for me, uh, Compassion saved me from being married off at the age of 14. And in my village, I was the first girl to ever go high school. To high school, just imagine to high school. <laughs> and I meet so many women who say, oh, we didn't know then. But because of you, everyone wants to educate their children in my town. Because they know what men can do, women can do. It's no longer about being married off, but it's about the change they leave behind. So everyone wants to be a Sheba in my town. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yes, yes, uh, because I was able to just go beyond in my village to finish high school. I went and have a degree in one of the best institutions in Uganda, and just because of compassion. And again, got a master's and even go beyond and have a master's in London, so you can imagine. <laughs> and then... Uh, I know, like she said, I could just compress my story. Yeah, the cycle of poverty was broken in my entire generation. You just can't believe what it was like, but it was broken. Not just around me, but it was multiplied in my family, in everyone around me. And it, it just stopped with me. So <laughs> my children are here now living a normal life. They, you know, it stopped with me. And um, yeah, it keeps going, keeps multiplying. Yeah, and my two children have sponsored. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sheba. Thank you. Thank you. How incredible is that? Amazing. So just to give you a perspective, 23 children being sponsored, representing 23 families. As Sheba has said, if you multiply that to think about what those 23 children, how many children they will have themselves, the ongoing impacts, just picture that as I go through this. Um, just to give you perspective as to what this church has been doing with those 23 children is that 83, 86 letters have been sent in the last year. 63 have been sent um, by beneficiaries um, and then there's been sent by beneficiaries and 23 sponsors. So all the sponsors literally have been writing back to their sponsored children in the last 12 years. Of those 23, 11 are girls and there's 12 boys. And since the partnership started, your support has enabled more than 10,222 hours to be spent by children at the projects. At least there's been 58 medical checkups, 29 Bibles given to children in those projects, in the project in Ghana, and a minimum of 2,555 nutritious meals have been provided because of your generosity. Give yourselves a round of applause.
So on behalf of Compassion, we have a thank you token to present to the church. And um, Chris will take this on behalf of the chair to say thank you so very much. This is just a token, as I've said, because Sheba has told you what that impact will be. And knowing that those 23 children, those precious children there that you see will be praying for you. They pray for their sponsors. They pray for the chair. So God bless you so much for your generosity. You may be seated. And um, just before I came, I shared earlier in the um, morning service that I had asked God to give me a word to share with yourselves to encourage you, um, because I think it's important that whenever we have this opportunity on a Sunday, that we acknowledge that we've all come, including myself, to hear from God. We want our lives to be changed. We want our lives to be transformed. And so if you could please turn with me to Numbers 13. We're going to read a few scriptures from there. And if you want a title to this, I want you to leave here knowing that you're well able. You're well able to do whatever God has spoken to you, maybe in your secret place. You're well able to go on to achieve some of the dreams, the visions. In fact, every dream, every vision God has given you. You're well able to achieve anything he's yet to ask of you. And to also have that perception of perhaps if you're a parent of your children, that if God says to you that this child is giving this child to you, this and that is what he's expecting that child to become, just to really be that parent who says to God that if this is what you've said concerning my children, that they are able. I'm reading from the Amplified Version, Numbers 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Verse 2, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. From each of their father's tribes, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. And if you could make a note of the fact that God had said he was going to give them that land, but he wanted them to, um, Moses to send some spies to view the land. And if we go on to verse 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the Negev, then go up into the hill country, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, and whether the land in which they live is good or bad, and whether the cities in which they live are open camps or fortifications, and what the land is, whether it is fat or lean, whether there's timber on it or not, Make an effort to get some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first grapes. We move on to verse 25. This is after they had gone to spy the, the land, the reports they brought back. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of Paran at Kadesh and brought back word to them and to, and to all the congregation and showed them the land's fruit. They reported to Moses and said, we went into the land where you sent us and it certainly does flow with milk and honey and this is its fruit. But the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw there the descendants of Anak. Amalek live in the land of the Negev, the Hittite, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the Dead Sea and along the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession of it, for we will certainly conquer it. 
But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave the Israelites a bad report about the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we went in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And they went on and on. And when I read the scripture, I think it's really, really profound because sometimes in our life, in our walk with God, there will come a time when God speaks to us. He could speak to you in a dream, in a vision, in a word of knowledge, in a, by prophecy, where God comes and says, oh, you know, I'm going to do this great and awesome things in your life. And there are times when we, we hear certain things and we question. I mean, I can relate because I, I think I've been a Christian, um, I accepted Christ as Lord and Savior when I was about nine. So I've been in church pretty much my whole life. And I can recall that I've heard many people speak words of prophecy over my life. Some of them have come to pass. Some of them, to be honest, when I did hear them, I'm like, okay, you kind of just take notice of it and you just shelve it and you kind of just let it go. But there was a time when God really brought me back to the scripture where I began to realize that while we sometimes crave and we want to hear from God, it is great that we want to hear from him. But when you hear from God and he gives you specific instructions, he has expectations. And it's so important that we do not take for granted what God is calling us to do, whether it's as a church, whether it's when the leadership team comes together and they pray and they say, we feel God is saying this or that to us. How do we respond? And the essence is that God wants us to respond the way Caleb responded. He gave instructions to Moses and he says, go and spy out the land. And he specifically said, it is the land that I am giving to you. But when Moses went and interpreted what God had said, he then added his own bits to it. He started using his own intellect, his own understanding. And sometimes that's what we do. So instead of just saying, go and have a look at the land, this is what God has said. He added on. He said, go and look at the men. See how they look like. See, and he started adding all these things to it. So it is therefore no wonder that they came back with a report. And they said, yes, we saw the land. We've brought you a sample of the fruit from that land. However, the people in this land are like this and that. And at the very last verse, it says that, and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Meanwhile, as far as God was concerned, he didn't ask them to go and see the people in the land. He said, just go and have a glimpse of what I am ask, I'm going to be giving to you in your future. Yours is not to think about how it is going to happen. Yours is to say, God, if you have said it, we believe you, we trust you. And I think what is scary about this is that when you read on, it tells us that the generation, except for Caleb and Joshua, the entire generation of the people who were there when these reports came did not make it to the promised land. And that is why it's so important and even to the point where it sometimes really scares me where I'm thinking we serve this God who is merciful, he's gracious, but he really, really takes seriously whether we trust him or not, particularly when we've got testimonies, because the people of Israel had testimonies. He had done all these miracles, signs and wonders, even while they were in Egypt, before they left Egypt, he parted the Red Sea, nothing like that had ever happened in history. So God had done so many things. And this morning, I just want you to remind you, we go through challenges, we go through things, 
But then we should make sure that whatever victories God has given you, whatever miracles He has done, we've got to intentionally say to ourselves that, you know, whether it's a book you write it in, in those discouraging moments, in those moments when the devil brings doubts, is to go back and say, what has the Lord done for me? And I like that song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. But it is by no means easy to trust in God when perhaps anyone, everything around you, everybody around you is telling you it's impossible. As Sheba has said, it wasn't easy for her to believe that she could go on and achieve and become who she is today because there was nobody who had modeled that in her village. But because she heard the scripture, she heard the word of God in her project center, she decided to trust God. And so for some of us today, after this service, you're probably going to have to go back and say, God, what has been some of the words you've spoken over my life? What has been some of the things you've, called, you've been calling me to do? It might be just God has been laying it on your heart to maybe have a career change. And you're thinking, I'm at this age. What am I going to do? How am I going to bring it? But if you've heard the word of the Lord, and this morning I said earlier, could you imagine how the story would have ended if when the angel appeared to um, Mary and said, you're going to give birth to a son, nothing like that had happened before. I mean, if you're a husband and your wife comes to you and says, I'm going to have a child, but you're not going to be involved in the process. I mean, you're going to think that she's crazy, wouldn't you? You really would. And I've heard incredible stories of how God has used people. And I'm sure even in this church, Chris, you must have a a testimony of how you've perhaps done and achieved certain things that when you started in ministry, you perhaps never thought, or people might have thought you're crazy. And sometimes when God really wants to do extraordinary things, it does not make sense. And so Mary is told this thing, and all Mary says is, oh, how is it going to be? And she's told, and she just accepts, and she says, okay, if that's going to be the case, then I accept it. But the good thing is, she didn't go about telling everybody because she would have been discouraged. She probably would have even been thrown into some kind of mental institution if they had one at the time. And so it is important that if we're going to achieve to become the people God is calling us to do, to do these great and extraordinary things to God, it's important who we tell our division to. It's important that we're selective in what we hear and who we hear from. It's also important that if we're going to be successful in achieving and being used by God and saying to God, God, we, want, we acknowledge you, we love you, we want to live for you, we want to walk for you, we want to take this Ashford place and just really transcend the transforming power of God, move in this place, is that we walk in faith. And I talked earlier about this scripture that we all know very well what that says. If we have faith as little as a mustard seed. And I used to think that, oh, it just means sometimes we have debates about do I need to have big faith? Do I need to have small faith? Sometimes we're questioning, is it because these things are happening in this person's life because they have more faith than me or not? And I've come to realize that sometimes it's not about that. Because that scripture says, if you have faith as little as a master seed. And I remember seeing the master seed just, I think maybe this year for the first time, because I grew up in Ghana and I never saw the size of a master seed. And I could not believe it. I thought, my goodness, this is really tiny. So if I'm to put it in perspective, then it means God is saying that I don't need big faith at all. So if I don't need big faith, then how come certain things I'm believing him for haven't happened? Then I went back to that scripture and I realized that it says, If you have this faith as little as a mustard seed, 
then you will say to the mountain, be moved from here, be cast into the sea. So then I realized that our faith walk has to have an impact on what we're saying. If God has said, you're going to do this and that, you need to start saying those things over yourself. And it's interesting because I didn't realize that this morning, but as Sheba was speaking um, just now, a few minutes ago, I realized she kept saying, she was using the phrase and I kept saying that I want to sponsor a child. And I kept, do you remember she said that? And she just basically modeled scripture. She said, because she said, she's seen that come to pass. And while we were sitting there again, because I never shared this in the morning service, God reminded me of the dry bones, the valley in the dry bones. And when God says to Ezekiel, do you think these dry bones shall live? Very intelligent guy, wise guy. He didn't question, he didn't start using his own analytical skills. But he says, God, only you know. And God says, speak to the dry bones. And then when you read on, it says that I began to prophesy to the bride bones as I had heard the Lord say. And so some of us are going to have to start speaking what God is telling us to say. Some of us are going to have to start speaking over the lives of our children, whatever God has spoken to you concerning them. And you're going to have to start speaking over this church, some of the things you've been praying about, where God is saying... And he gave me a word a couple of years ago in 6 a.m. prayer at the church that I used to go to. And this is what God said, and I'll be wrapping up here. He says that his word, which proceeds out of his mouth, it is spirit and it is life. He said that that's as we do not see the winds that blows. You cannot see it, but you can feel it. That is how his word is like. As soon as he said that I'm going to do X, Y, Z and it's been proclaimed, as far as he's concerned, it is a done deal. But it is your faith that brings flesh to that dry bones or that thing that you cannot see. And he said that it was the reason why when he said to Ezekiel to prophesy over those dry bones, that that flesh came. That spirit of those dry bones were there already. They were just not visible. But it was the proclamation of the words that brought flesh and that army. Those bones became an army. And so today, if you're going to be leaving here, I just want you to remember this. Speak. The words you speak determines whether you have faith or not. Some of you may be challenged today. You may have been contemplating whether you sponsor a child or not. But you know what thing that I've learned? I came to a conclusion in my life a few years ago, and I said, you know what, God? You've done so much in my life that I want to bless. I think I need to live my life in full. I I don't even have an agenda. There was a time when somebody said to me, what do you see yourself being or doing in five years? And I said to the person, I don't know. All I know is that I will be in the place where God wants me to be. I will be doing what God wants me to be. And that is good enough because I came to that realization that I don't have any good thoughts for myself. His plans are bigger and better. And if you think of Gideon, When God goes to him and God says, you're a mighty man of valor. And he says, but Lord, you know, he starts giving God all the, all his, um, what he basically he knew of himself. And nothing he said about him was positive. But God says, it doesn't matter what you think. As far as I'm concerned, you're a mighty man of valor. And he took that word. He went, did certain things. He did it afraid. But over time, his faith was built up. 
And that is what God is saying to you as a church and to some of you today. So that if you feel that, oh Lord, you've been saying to God, God, I want you to use me. And he perhaps touches your heart to date and says to you, sponsor a child. Please be encouraged. He's not going to ask you to do something that you cannot do. And he's not going to leave you alone. Sometimes he just requires us to take a step of faith. And in taking that step of faith, he will move mightily in our lives. So today, be blessed, be encouraged that you're making, a trans you're making an incredible difference, not just in those 23 children's lives in Ghana, but I know of all the things that you're doing here as a community, and it just blows me away. But I have a feeling that there's more, more to come. And so when that time comes and you're being called upon to do great things, please, even if sometimes you don't understand, just say to God, God, let it be unto us according to your word. Be blessed. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.